Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. He's always up for a good debate. This is The Roy Green Show. So uh, the other day I was, let's leave the music there for a second. I was uh, just, you know, driving along the sunshine, listening to the tunes, and I saw a McLaren sports car. I don't know if it was the SLR. It's it's not about a million and a half dollars. Then I saw a couple of Ferraris and a Lamborghini. This is all the same day. So I got to thinking about uh, cars that I've owned over the years and started talking to some friends. And we went on a nostalgia binge about the, you know, the wheels that we'd had over the over our lifetimes. And we'd like to have them back because, of course, now they're worth a fortune. When we bought them, they were, well, I, when I was uh, just out of my teens, I made some money and bought a brand new uh, 1967 um, Mustang GT390. Actually, I think I was still 19 at the time. And it cost me $2,800. That car today, if I still, exactly the same car, exactly the same car Steve McQueen drove in Bullet. Uh, if I had that car today and it was in perfect condition at some of the big auctions, it'd be worth uh, $100,000 and maybe more. 2900 bucks new. So what I want to do next hour, just for a little bit, is just to, just to change the mood a bit. Um, talk about some of the nostalgia we have for what we've driven over the years. Maybe you're driving in something right now that you've bought and you take it out only on a nice summer weekend. Listening in there because it's only got an AM radio, right? Yeah. So we'll do that next hour. What I want to get at here, though, is we talked last hour about the Canadian border in the sense of 12-year-old Widleen Earl, Haitian orphan, and you heard her dad Vaden talk about the the case, and she's not here, and they've tried for years to get this little girl here, and uh, we allow ISIS killers to come back into Canada. We don't trouble them. We have a prime minister who says that they can do wonderful things or positive things for Canada, these ISIS killers, including one who lives in Toronto, and boasts to the New York Times that he's committed murder for ISIS, but he's not being bothered by Canada. And he won't tell the police anything because it's none of their business. And because the prime minister doesn't care anymore or has opened Canada's doors to to ISIS returnees, we no longer tell uh, international police authorities when they come here. If, if, if our federal government knows that ISIS killers have returned to Canada we because it's okay, because of Mr. Trudeau, um, international police authorities are not informed. Does this only strike me as being, there's a much stronger word than dangerous. Anyway, our borders are also not borders anymore, unless you're a Canadian returning with the 
bottle of scotch from the United States, then it's a border, and they collect the tax on it. And... But in Europe, the, the talk has been for so long now about Germany being wide open to, to migrants, and more than a million have made their way to Germany, and Chancellor Angela Merkel said, wir schaffen das, we can make that happen. Well, the German people are not so excited about this anymore. And uh, she was threatened with job loss because one of the members of her coalition said, either we stop this or we're going to take your job. And she was going to lose her job. So there was a meeting that she attended, and out of that meeting came the agreement that uh, Angela Merkel agreed that camps will be built on the German border where individuals who are undocumented or have been registered in another country in Europe will be held. Now, that's all I know about it. Uh, Cheryl Bernard, Professor Cheryl Bernard, has been on this program and talked to us about the horrific criminal activity that's taken place involving migrants in Germany. And she's worked very closely with refugees and over the years. She's a former program director of the Initiative for Middle Eastern Youth within the RAND Corporation's National Security Research Division. Her book, Civil Democratic Islam, was one of the books found in Osama bin Laden's library during the U.S. SEAL's attack on his compound in, uh, in Pakistan. So Professor Bernard knows her way around the issue and knows her way around Europe, and she joins us from Europe now. Uh, Professor Bernard, good to talk to you again. Thank you. I know it's uh, it's probably fairly late in uh, in Europe now, no? That's not too bad. It's around 9 p.m. Always good to talk to you, Roy. Well, good. I'm, so we're not keeping you up. No, actually, I just stepped out of a wedding for you, though. Oh, well, thank you. We really appreciate <laughs> that. I hope it wasn't yours. <laughs> no. That would have really have been a gesture, huh? <laughs> that, would, that, would, that would have been going a step too far. <laughs> uh, Cheryl, Merkel's legacy decision, or her legacy was going to be, I think, the decision to open Germany to hundreds of thousands of migrants, and that was not turning out very well. Uh, remind us, please, of what, what's happened most recently in Germany, which created the situation where she really was in danger of losing her job if she didn't change her view. So her position, and I have to say, you know, until quite recently, I was an admirer of Angela Merkel. She has been such a steady force in European politics and such an amazing, you know, leader in many ways. But she made an enormous mistake when, when, she, when she thought that the thing to do was going to be to fling open the gates to the migrants that she initially assumed were going to be just Syrian refugees. And her mistake was to not realize immediately that that wasn't the case. These were not fleeing Syrian, you know, middle-class uh, families that, that needed a shelter briefly until they could go back to their own home country, but that, in fact, you had just a motley assembly of all sorts of people from all over the world who didn't even qualify as migrants or refugees. Um, and, and her mistake was not realizing that and then changing course at that time. And then she's made sort of a sequence of mistakes since then. And her position now is that she does understand that it's gone too far and that the German people are highly concerned about this and that it's economically just not possible for them to support all of these people. Um, but she, she now believes that it has to be an EU decision. 
and others in Germany, other politicians, most notably the Bavarian leader Seehofer, are saying, well, we can't wait for that because we know how slow the European bureaucracy is and it grinds just too slowly. And by the time they come to some sort of a decision, it could be a decade or more, and it's just, it's just too long. We have to take action right now. So they, they had, a, as you described it correctly, they had a big conflict that threatened to bring down her government. And then they sort of patched it up. She made this announcement that there were going to be these camps on the border. That was one this part of it. But the bigger part of it was she also announced that the people that were in those camps and that were found to be not eligible to be refugees or migrants in Germany were then going to be sent to Austria, which was kind of an amazing decision to make without consulting the Austrians first. So you can imagine how that was received in Austria. Yeah. So it, things, uh, yeah. So this, this is there's like no decision or endpoint yet to this. This is an unfolding crisis. Um, so right now the Austrians have said, you know, no way, this is not happening, and the Bavarians have stood up, which is like new since the Middle Ages, you could say. They've stood up their own uh, military force of a thousand to guard the border, to not let refugees come into Bavaria, um, and it's. You know, that's essentially, at least for now, the end of Schengen and the end of open borders within Europe. Wow. And, and this was arrived at then without other European Union countries involved in the decision. This was internal to Germany. Well, the decision to, to have these camps the on camps. the border and then send the, the rejected refugees into Austria... That was a decision that was made unilaterally by Merkel, which is frankly very unrealistic. Obviously, of course, she can't she can't do that. And then, so the you know just in case perhaps your listeners uh, are not aware, so the the the, the rule the, the law is actually that wherever a refugee first applies for asylum or first enters a safe country, the first safe country that you enter when you're a refugee, that country is responsible for you, and that is where you, you know, have a right to apply to stay. Right, that's the... So what happened, though, in the case... What happened in the case of these migrants is they came in, let's say, to, you know, Spain or one of the Eastern European countries, and they heard on the grapevine that, well, no, where you get the best social benefits and the most welfare, you know, where, the, where it's the most lax is Germany or Scandinavia, so they just kept going. So the issue now is that these other countries want to return them to the first European country that they came to, as would be the law, Mm-hmm. Those countries don't necessarily want them back, so there's this sort of reverse, you know, re- reverse push and shove process of of people trying to push these uh, these refugees off onto each other. And I use the refugees word in parentheses or in quotation marks because a lot of them are are actually just economically moving. Yeah, and and then there, you have countries like Hungary uh, that is just not opening the borders at all to uh, to any any uh, migrants and i don't is poland right. doing the same thing so yes there's a, there's a coalition it's 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 uh it's um hungary was a leader in this field because they they you know a lot of these refugee streams came first into hungary so they saw what was happening more quickly than some of the others so you've got an, an interesting access some of the eastern european countries under the leadership of Hungary, Poland included, and then you also have Austria. And now you've got, that's the most interesting, you've got Bavaria, because that's, you know, a giant state within Germany. Within Germany. That is essentially taking a different position from the rest so, of So, So is, 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 Bavaria, policy. is Bavaria, with their own troops, 
They're are de- they're essentially yes. doing what Hungary's doing then. Now. Yes, exactly. Yes. Wow. And that's this is completely unprecedented. Yeah. And this is I mean this this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody because you told us I think 2 years ago what was developing on the ground when you wrote that the, the, the first article that I that I called you about. Um, and so, so it really should not surprise anyone. And Merkel should have seen this coming. Can we, can we, uh, can we steal you for a few minutes longer from the wedding? <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm not a great dancer anyway. So oh, I'm not well, yeah, uh, <laughs> good. Okay. So we'll, we'll rescue you. Hold on, Cheryl. Professor Cheryl Bernard is my uh, guest. And, um, as I said, she, uh, she is a former program director of the initiative for Middle Eastern youth within the RAND Corporation's National Security Research Division. She's written many books, including Civil Democratic Islam, and that was found in Osama bin Laden's library in Pakistan when the U.S. SEALs attacked the compound. She understands this situation far better than most, and I would, aver- I would venture far better than most politicians. So what's, what's, what's going to happen next in Europe? Because now the Italians also turned away a migrant ship, which was eventually allowed to land in Spain. We'll come right back. He may be opinionated, but he never jumps to conclusions. This is The Roy Green Show. I'm on Twitter, at The Roy Green Show, at The Roy Green Show. Uh, follow me there and uh, participate with us on a Daily basis, as we tweet our points of view, I'm just looking at a scene on Twitter here. A flood in Atlanta, and uh, they're showing this fire truck, and the the ladder is horizontal, and the basket is down beside a BMW, and the water isn't even up to the, well, it's not up to the, it looks like it's maybe three, four inches high, and they're rescuing this guy. And putting him on the basket and then horizontally traversing him to safety. But the, the, the water's only about three or four inches high. Even my Yorkie could survive in that. He'd just go for a quick swim. Anyway, I mean, maybe there's more to it. Uh, Cheryl Bernard is my guest, university professor, also uh, understands the situation with refugees and migrants and the situation in Europe far better, far better than most, as I've, I've talked about her about her bona fides and her qualifications. Cheryl, so if, if, if Germany now, they want to unload people on Austria, quite, as you point out, Austria is just saying forget about it because Austria has been getting tougher on migrants. You have, you have the situation in, uh, in Poland, in Hungary, the Italians turning away a ship with migrants on it. Is there just a hardening attitude in Europe? And is Ms. Merkel's philosophy and position just not sustainable any longer, and if that's the case, what do they do with all the people who migrated to Europe and they may have the authorities may have questions about now? Well, especially, you know, because as we talked about during the last show, there have been cases where serious crimes, including rape and murder, were committed by refugees or by individuals who actually had been denied refugee status and were supposed to be repatriated years before they committed that crime and who somehow just managed to linger on in Germany. Um, and so the, the public is saying, well, this is unacceptable. Once, if, even if you're going to follow the law and you're going to have 
the whole process that people can go to, which you go through, which you should. Once a decision has been made, it has to be followed through on. That has been a problem across all of Europe. Mm-hmm. So the, that is why these, this idea of centers has come up, because once people are roaming about all of Europe, not even in the country necessarily where you think they are, it's going to be very hard to locate them and, and follow through on whatever decision the courts have made. This could have some, I don't want to be just as blanket pessimist, but this could have some very, very nasty repercussions. Right, and one worries, I mean, one already has to worry about things that Europe fought for so hard and that were such amazing achievements, like, you know, the Schengen Agreement and the openness of the borders and all of that. That's a terrible thing to lose. You have to worry about the political stability because political parties and political alliances and coalitions are breaking down because of this. Relationships between countries have become extremely strained and sort of new cliques and formations uh, are now becoming visible. And you also have this huge ideological divide that I worry about generally for the whole world, and I think that's relevant probably for Canada too, where you have people who are you know, liberal-minded and they mean well, but they're just not thinking through the consequences of some of the slogans that they're propounding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're open and everyone should come. And well, what does that mean, everyone? Everyone, if it's not just refugees, if you're going to say everyone can come who feels that the situation in their home country is difficult and they don't have economic prospects, that's, how, how is that going to work? Yeah, and when, they, when the politicians say, that we all need to speak with one another and then tell uh, sort of the the population that was there prior to uh, all the uh, immigration activity, the, the most recent immigration activity, they tell that population to just shut up. Uh, that doesn't work either. You can't you can't say we have to we have to work things out. We have to have dialogue and then say, but you be quiet. That that breeds well, right. resentment. And, you know, and there, are, there are people that are, you know, appearing now and, and saying, well, we've been on the wait list, for example, for housing for so and so long. Yeah. And other people are jumping the queue who aren't even legal refugees here. It's, it's of course, is going to cause resentment. Right. What, what's your, uh, we have about 20 seconds. What's your, what's your fear? Well, I'm a little bit, I'm kind of hopeful, I have to say, let's end on a positive note, because the numbers of uh, people arriving have gone down significantly during the last two years, and also the public is starting to think about these problems. Unfortunately, their leaders are having to be shaken into also thinking about it, but it, it is, there is a, a change of thinking and a bit more rationality happening. Okay. I hope. Well, you better put on those dancing slippers again. Yes, okay. Off I go. Bye, Roy. Thanks, Cheryl. Bye-bye. Professor Cheryl Bernard on the situation as it's developing in Europe. When we come back, this is purely coincidental. We're going to be talking about lie spotting. Did you know you lie to about 200 times every day?